Hello, friend. I heard you were looking for our spot. I got you. So you're going to go past the corner bodega and down the block from the Fresh Cuts Barbershop. And there you'll find a brick row house at the intersection of Literature Place and Social Justice Boulevard. That's the stoop. Amanda, Amanda Lytle, she'll be there to welcome you to the conversation. The book stoop. That's the name of the spot. We got the hottest takes on book culture, nerd culture, current events, with best-selling authors, change makers, and risk takers. The best kinds of folks. Oh, me? I'm Rebecca Baruki, president of Row House Publishing. And this is our podcast. I am so glad you're here. Now, I'm going to let you get to Amanda. Thanks, Bex. Hey friend, let me be the second to welcome you to our spot, The Book Stoop. I feel incredibly honored to be the host of this podcast, and I'm so grateful to have you here with us. Today on The Book Stoop, I'm speaking with Sharnay Gordon. Sharnay is an author, an entrepreneur, a content creator, podcast host, and a lover of books. Sharnay is also the founder of an Instagram and growing online community called Here We Read connecting people with diverse and inclusive books, kid-friendly products, and family experiences they will love. In today's conversation on The Book Stoop, Charnay shares the story behind Here We Read. She also shares her perspectives and realities as a content creator and a writer, and opens up about how isolating yet rewarding the creative process can be. We start our chats on The Book Stoop with a rather fitting question. So what are you reading these days? Well, right now I am reading and I've, I've been reading this book for a while because I'm really savoring all of the information and I don't want to, I really want to digest everything and I don't want to start every, another book until I like really finish this one. It's called We Should All Be Millionaires mm. by Rachel Rogers, who is amazing. And so the subtitle is a Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power. Mm. And I am in love with this book. It's so, so good. It's all about money, right? Yes. And how do you leverage your wealth, especially as a, uh, a Black female? Well, she's writing this from a Black female perspective. And just talking about how women need to have this money mindset and be in control of your finances so I'm really enjoying this book. Um, like I said, this is the only thing I've been reading for like the past month and a half. I think maybe ne- next month in October, I will start a new book. But right now I've just been savoring this one. Oh, I love that. And what have been some biggest takeaways or anything that you've actually been able to implement so far? Well, I'm gonna do her. She has this money challenge and, um, and she talks about it in the book. I think it's like a 30 day money challenge. But I want to try her challenge and I am like preparing myself like just mentally and uh, financially to get on board to do her money challenge. So that is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. Very cool. I love that idea. And I think even just for myself, this has been a a really challenging year. So anything that I can consume that just even shifts perspectives, I'm into it. Yeah. So you should check that one out if you haven't already. Well, speaking of books, I know there's a huge love of books in your life, and I know that you've written lots of books, and even with Here We Read, 
I'd love to start with the backstory behind Here We Read. Sure. Yeah. I started Here We Read really out of a space of wanting to have a creative outlet. I had a blog that I started years ago. This, this was like all pre-kids. Uh, I, had a, I had a blog pre-kids and, you know, I've always loved writing. And so I just started blogging and I, I um, people used to always ask me for recommendations about, you know, just different things, not always necessarily books, but so I had this other blog, but I was like, ah, this is not really, this is not really my jam. I, I wasn't really vibing with the blog that much. So I stopped doing that blog. Then I got pregnant with my first child, which was a daughter. And she, so right. And then right after I had her 15 months later, we had our son and we, uh, you know, if, if you can imagine being in a space of having two kids under the age of two, mm. not really, not, we didn't really plan to have our kids so close in age. It just kind of happened that way. But having two kids under two, breastfeeding two kids under the age of two at that time, diaper, you know, all mm. the things. And I was, I just needed this way to release and, and this outlet. And so I, I just, I just made the decision. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start blogging again. And because writing is something that I really enjoy. And I'm just going to start talking about the thing that I know best. And that is books. Mm-hmm. And that's really the story behind it. And that was February of 2015 that I made that decision it was probably one of the the best decisions that I've ever made because I mean, now fast forward to 2021 and I'm still doing it. And I can honestly say that for being consistent and sticking with it, even in the midst of having two children, having, being a wife, you know, having this family. And at the time when I started the blog, a Mm full-time job. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, doing all of these things, but I I knew in my heart that I wanted to be consistent with the blog. I don't know. It was just something in me. I'm like, I just enjoy this. And at the time I wasn't getting paid a dime. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that you could make money from blogging or, or anything like that. And it wasn't until I decided to join Instagram in particular that I started finding out that you could monetize, um, not necessarily Instagram at the time, it was more so monetizing your blog. And I'm like, oh, you can do that? Mm -hmm. And I started following people who were doing it, getting to know people that were already, and they're like, yeah, you can totally do that. And, you know, it took me maybe, I didn't start earning any money until maybe like year four when I was blogging, right? Mm -hmm. So for four years, I, I didn't earn a penny. I was just doing it out of a space of just, I love to do this. Mm. Um, and I'm still doing it out of a space. I love, I love to do this. Yeah. Um, but now I'm just getting paid to do it full time. The consistency and the passion, just in my opinion, just will always prove successful because you're nourishing yourself in the process. And then you're right. able to just continue showing up the way that you've wanted to right. into a project that is a passion project. I love it. Yeah. I have a question about the growth on Instagram, because I mean, upholding and just keeping a page going is a lot of work. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) And then I mean, you're momming at the same time. So how were you able to fit that in? And what were your priorities on the Instagram page alone? So the Instagram page is interesting because when I first started, it was kind of like, 
I felt like I was just talking to crickets, you know, it's like, is anybody even look, looking at this? What, why, why am I doing this? But I, I felt, you know, again, I was, I was very passionate about it. And then, you know, as you get to meet new people, start interacting with a couple of people, you start to kind of build this community organically. And that's how that kind of started to happen. Then I would just start to get followed by librarians and educators and, you know, of course, parents and and grandparents, things like that. But then in 2018, 2019, that's when I started to really like, especially 2018, it was just like consistent flow of this influx of just Mm -hmm. people finding out about me through word of mouth. Um, I did have a few celebrities, even like I have several celebrities that follow me that have shared my page and, you know, so things like that, that have helped me kind of along the way. And then of course, building partnerships and relationships with different publishers and different spot, like uh, brands and stuff like that. Right. Because I have two kids. And so I, I, I'm able to leverage that aspect of it as well. But then as you know, in uh, summer of 2020 is when George Floyd happened. And prior to that happening, I had already had a really vibrant community on Instagram. I was about 200,000 followers at the time. And over, as soon as George Floyd happened, that, that first week or so, it was just, it just exploded. And <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Where are all these people coming from? Mm -hmm. And so I literally probably got, you know, over a hundred thousand followers just in within like three or four days, Mm -hmm. seriously, following the the unfortunate death of George Floyd. And it was just, it was kind of crazy. And I didn't really know how to feel about it, how to process it. I was like, well, should I be happy about this? Or maybe a bit skeptical, like, do these people really care that much about diversity or is it to just check a a box, you know, on their list? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people of color kind of felt that same way. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to other people of color who had similar experiences where you just went up in popularity and it was just kind of like, kind of didn't really know how to feel about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, yeah. In other circumstances, you're like, oh, well, this is great. I've gone viral. But Mm -hmm. then it's just kind of like, the underlying reason why we went viral was like, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that's actually been a bit of a theme that we've been speaking about with some guests on here is that collective exhaustion of just mm. white people being like, hey, so what do I do now? I feel really bad. And that's that's on us. That's not your responsibility at all. So I can imagine that that would be an interesting feeling. It's like, can I be happy about this? Or yeah, the skepticism in it makes it so valid. Right. Yeah. It kind of just, and then, you know, of course, for like the whole month of what, July of 2020, book sales were like through the roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking record sales, like Mm -hmm. even through my like affiliate bookshops that I have set up both on Amazon and bookshop, Mm -hmm. like I had like 10K months, Mm -hmm. like back to get back. And these are just like, I'm making 10 grand off of this affiliate bookshop and you know, and then of course, once it starts to die down, it's just like, okay, yeah, back to business as usual. Hey friend, we are coming straight back to the book stoop after a quick break.
I'd love to ask you about your kids' books that you've written because even when I was flipping through this, I was I cannot wait to get my hands on these books, particularly race cars. So mm. I know that a kid's book about diversity, race cars, and a friend like you, like even right on your website, I'd love to hear about how those came to be. And even just the writing process, because as a creative in this space, it does take a lot of emotional labor, right? So mm. tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So uh, I will have to say that all of the three books deals that I've had, you know, and I'm not saying this to brag, but this is just part of my story. Mm-hmm. I didn't actively, like I wasn't actively writing manuscripts and, you know, submitting them to publishers and, you know, that whole process that Mm -hmm. a lot of writers or aspiring writers go through. I didn't have to go through that. I was literally approached by the three publishers saying, will you write for us? Mm -hmm. And so that's how it kind of happened. It was just like a DM on Instagram. Hey, will you do this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, two of them were DMs and then one was an email. And I was like, uh, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. The one that I did have a little bit of hesitation with, though, is the race cars book. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of thought, well, wait a minute. They're asking me, you know, this. They wanted to bring me in as the editor, right? First of all, my hesitation was, I've never edited a book in my life, mm-hmm. right? Like a children's book, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, first of all, there's that thing that's like, wait a minute, you can't edit a book like you've never done this before, mm-hmm. right? So there was that hesitation. But the other thing was, and this was just my initial feeling, I kind of felt like, why are they asking me to do this? And I, and I, I kind of grappled with that a little bit, but I, but I knew exactly why. The book was originally written by a, uh, a white woman, mm. and it was a self-published book that she self-published on her own. Amazing book, mm-hmm. amazing book. But then I started looking at some of the reviews and what people who had read the book were kind of saying about it. Then I, I had a different perspective. I'm like, you know what? Let me, as a person of color, I can, you know, go in and, and make some changes. Mm-hmm. And so then I was okay with it. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. And I want to take on the task. But I, you also kind of grapple with this thing of how will the Black people or how will the people of color feel about what what my interpretation of, of this book will be, Right. Um, so I was struggling with that too. It was just kind of like, what is, what is everybody going to say? You know, I don't know. It was just this, <laughs> I was this conflicting thing that I had with, with that book. And I think mainly because it was about white privilege, mm-hmm. right. Which is such a touchy, can be such mm-hmm. a touchy topic, um, especially to white people. And so I didn't want to feel like I was going to offend anybody or make white people feel bad for being white or the opposite, make um, children of color feel bad for for their skin tone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there was all of this like conflict going on in my mind with that book in particular, just because of the the subject matter. And it was just kind of touchy. But then over, you know, after I said, you know what, let me just do it. I'm just going to do it. And I made the decision to do it. So again, they wanted to bring me in as the editor to basically make some changes to the book. Some of the feedback they had gotten from the self-published book. Um, so they knew the type of angle that they wanted to kind of take with it. And so my first, my job was basically to take that book and rewrite it in, in my own way, mm-hmm. leaving the original story kind of intact. But what I did is I just added some new characters and um, changed up the ending a bit. I think it's an incredible project. 
Yeah, the book itself is still pretty much the same, like the overall plot, but it's very different from the from the first self-published book that that Jenny wrote. Mm-hmm. And then you said that the feedback or the, the overall take of the book was really it was really well received. Yes, uh, it was. So now you know it's and, and it's interesting because it's like well now most people can't comment on the old book because it's really not in print anymore. Mm-hmm. The the original self published version of it, but this new version is like re, is, has been really really well received, especially like by like educators that are using it in their classrooms. And I think mainly because the discussion section that's in the back is so rich and full of just questions that children and their teachers or children and their grownups can really take a deep dive into all of these different topics that we cover in the book. Mm-hmm. So that was Race Cars uh, with a kid's book about, again, you know, that was a that was a quick DM that was sent to me saying, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, why not? And um, the way they do their books is a little interesting. So you basically write the book in a, a half day workshop. Wow. Together. Yeah. The first draft of the book. Mm-hmm. Right. So you come out of this half day workshop. It's like four or five hours and um, you're in the workshop with the editor and maybe three other two or three other people from their team. And then you coming in as the actual writer or the subject matter expert. Right. In that case, it was me mm-hmm. talking about diversity and so the first thing you have to do is you have to tell your story to everybody that's on the, it's kind of like a Zoom chat. So you tell your story and talk about why you are the subject matter expert. Why are you the one who, who wants to tell this story and write this book? And so, you know, they're taking notes as you're telling your story. And then after that, they tell their stories, they introduce themselves and they tell their stories. And then it's like, okay, let's write the book. Mm-hmm. And so you as the writer or the subject matter expert, you're doing most of the talking and most of the directing. But as you're kind of typing, you know, somebody's the editor saying, oh, why don't we say this? Or the other person on the team, well, why don't we add this or take this, add this, take this away. Why don't we say it like this? And it's just this back and forth dialogue that you're having and you come out with your first draft of the book, <laughs> you know, at the end of the workshop, which is really cool. Uh, So that's like a collaboration effort. And that's how they do all of their books. I love that. I had a question actually about another thing that had come up yesterday was now the fact, and you and I had actually said this pre-recording, was that now it's as if the books that we wish that we had as kids are now available. That's right. Right. And so this is even what I'm feeling about the books that you've had such a part in are now books that, you know, we kind of wish that we had as kids. That's right. Yeah. It's so great that I get to kind of, in a way, relive my childhood through, (laughs) you know, vicariously through my own kids, which is pretty amazing when I, when I kind of think about it. But yeah, I, I, I love that there's so many books, you know, there could always be more, Mm -hmm. but there are just so many amazing books that are available for kids today about, you know, self-love and, you know, just affirming yourself and, body positivity, right? Mm. Um, Self-acceptance and tough, some some of the tougher topics, right? About race and racism and, you know, all of these things that kids would probably find relatable today. Mm. I have a question about the creative process. And in that creative process, one, I was going to ask 
how do you make sure that you are nourished in the process and that you're maintaining your overall well-being? And then the other thing I was going to ask is, what are you currently working on that you're balancing? So take that away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the creative process is, is actually really interesting because sometimes it can feel really isolating mm. too especially when it's just you and you're not, you don't have somebody else to kind of balance ideas off. You know, sometimes I'll bounce ideas off of my husband or my mm-hmm. kids, but yeah, it can, it can feel kind of isolating at times, mm-hmm. you know, being a writer, it's kind of like, you're just in this space by yourself. But fortunately, I think for me is I'm connected to so many amazing authors, illustrators who have now kind of, you know, become my friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, a, a few people that I'm really close with that I can say, hey, what do you think about this idea? And they will give me honest feedback, you know, because they are creatives too. So I think it's it's nice to kind of have that or just to have this trusted circle of people that can help you and you can bounce ideas off of when you're creating. So I think that's really important, at least for me, mm-hmm. to have that But, you know, for me, when it like taking care of myself, it's just like I I really try to take care of my mental space. Mm -hmm. Being a full time content creator slash author, you know, part of my job is to be on social media and it can get quite taxing. And, um, you know, I don't always love it, but this is the job that I've decided to do at this time. And so it's a part of the job and I just kind of suck it up whenever I don't feel like doing it. And I just put on my consistency hat and, you know, I'm like, all right, this is it. And, you know, I've only got to do it for a few minutes and then, you know, go back in my hole, (laughs) (laughs) go back in my creative hole. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all part of, it's all part of it, but I think just really just taking care of my, my mental space and trying not to stay on social media too long. It can get you know, very, you can get very addicted to it. And it's just like this tunnel that just kind of sucks you in. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'll be on Instagram and I see a post and I'll like it. And then I go down this rabbit hole and the next mm-hmm. thing it's like 20 minutes passes. And I'm like, what? I got to yeah. get back to work. I know. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. What keeps you showing up on those days that seem really difficult or just like not into it? What keeps you showing up? Yeah, I, for me, I mean, number one, this is now my full-time job. I, I previously was a computer programmer. Um, I'm still very much a computer geek, but, uh, you know, in my previous life, I, I did an information technology. I was a computer programmer for over 15 years. And uh, that was my, that was my jam. That was my nine to five grind. And I loved it. And I, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed my time, but I kind of felt like this is my time. Yeah. This is, you know, I've, I've given it 15 plus years of my life and I felt like I wasn't really growing or being Mm. challenged in a lot of ways. And there was nowhere else for me to go up the ladder. It was like, either you make a lateral move and you go this way or you become a manager Mm -hmm. or a director. And I'm like, don't want to be a manager or don't want to be a director. Right. So what do I do? Yeah. 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 The move into doing the stuff for yourself, I feel like would, would feel quite liberating, but at the same time now yeah. it's like, yeah, you're in charge of all of the things. That's right. Right. And so that, that is also part of what keeps me going. It's like, you know, this is, this is how we make money for our family. And mm-hmm. so 
that's also, you know, this is my job. This is my, that's my motivation. But I also, you know, in addition to that, I really do enjoy what I do now. Mm -hmm. And so that is, it really, a lot of times doesn't really feel like I'm working. You know, Mm -hmm. I know it sounds cliche and a lot of people say that, but it, it really doesn't. It's just like, I feel like I get to talk about books all day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I get paid for it and I get to do fun things with my kids if I'm doing like a brand sponsorship. Um, so I feel like I kind of have the best of both worlds right now. And I get to write children's books. Exactly. I was just going to say, and so. <laughs> huge congrats on that because all of the success, it does sound really fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. I have a question about a shout out. So if you had a shout out for an account, a person, an organization, a disruptor, activist, or change agent, who would it be? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Ah, there's so many people that I love. Does it have to be book related? No, no, it could be whatever you want. Oh, okay. My absolute favorite person on, well, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Oprah Winfrey, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Who, who doesn't love Oprah? She's like my number one for life. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, Myleek Teal, who I absolutely love. And it's um, M-Y-L-E-I-K mm-hmm. is her first name. And she just goes by Myleek on Instagram. But she is like, she's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> she's, the, she's the founder of this company called Curlbox. But she is just this powerhouse. And she's so motivational. She's so inspiring. She's also a a mom of two kids, but she's just so relatable to me. And she Mm -hmm. also has a podcast and that's how I first found her through her podcast. Mm -hmm. But she is on Instagram all the time, like every day. And if you watch her Instagram lives, mostly I watch her stories, her Instagram stories, and I just learned so much Mm -hmm. from her. And she's just so, she's so willing to help especially women of color, like that's her jam. She loves inspiring and empowering women of color to be their best selves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm all about. It's just like, I love her so much. Yeah. So if I had to give a shout out, it would be to my week. (laughs) Yeah. I will have that linked. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You're so welcome. Yay. I'm so thrilled that you asked me to be a part of it or Bex. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Bex. Big shout out to Bex. We love Bex. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Bex, for, for asking me to be on your amazing podcast. Um, this was such an honor. So I am thrilled for everything that Bex has going on with Row House publishing and everything. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bex and all that she's doing. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you loved the conversation and we'll be back again soon. Please be sure to follow us on your podcast app and leave a rating where you're able to do so. Writing a written review helps reach more listeners too. Check out all of the show notes for the links and share the book stoop with your friends. Talk soon.